You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Yes, we're still in the middle of the offseason. June 1st is come and gone. A couple of yeah, minor transactions, more uh, more on the money side of things. Guys with June 1st designations now become officially cut from their respective teams. But there's still some free agents out there. We had a little golf match yesterday. Wanted to touch on that in a minute. And also uh, the end of an era. Fitzmagic no more. Nine teams, 17 years the beard beloved by teammates fans coaches i mean just i mean one of the the few characters i think in this era of of football you know we used to have more like back in the 70s 80s and even before that i mean obviously there were were a lot more but just an amazing character 32nd all-time in passing yards ends up tied for 36 in touchdown passes immediately whenever anybody retires anymore the first oh is he gonna be is he a hall of famer is he all I don't think there's any chance in hell that Fitzmagic is going to Canton, but in my mind, he'll always be an all-time character of the game. He can throw you into a game. He can certainly throw you out of a game. Bring Alex in now. I mean, Fitzmagic, what, uh, any memories come to mind? I'm actually surprised at those numbers. I know that he had longevity, but when I think of Fitzmagic or Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think of a journeyman quarterback. A backup quarterback for the most part, except for, what, a couple of years in Buffalo when he was a starter, and then I think he started with the Jets for one year, from what I remember, and then obviously he had that run with the Miami Dolphins a couple of years back when he got them going, but to me, I was... Nine teams, nine well, he was a good teammate. He was yeah. he was the perfect complement to the starting quarterback. But once again, Lou, I'm very surprised at those numbers because Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't a starting quarterback for most of his career. Yeah, I mean, just a amazing, amazing dude. Harvard educated. I mean, this guy can probably do whatever he wants. I mean, he's, you know, as far as made for television, you know, they're talking about, you know, paying Brady all this money. And, and I could see that. It's Tom freaking Brady, okay? But Fitzmagic, not that he was going to, he's going to get a huge contract, but I think any TV outlet, anybody showing games, talking about games, podcast i think this guy would be a home run no questions asked i my money my money is certainly on him and just that beard the outfits that he would wear to like press conferences when he when he came he came to the one press conference with like the open shirt and like this bear rugs you know shooting out of his chest the beard gold chains i mean he, he just a classic character loved him uh, you know, you say what you will about his playing and like, and bottom line, he can throw you into a game. He can throw you out. So yesterday, you know, I'm, uh, kind of a half-assed New York Rangers fan. I was when I was a kid. I'm not a huge hockey fan, but yesterday was game one. Okay. Uh, of the Eastern conference finals. They're playing Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. I think, you know, even though they didn't ha- don't have home ice, you would think, you know, Pretty much the favorite, two-time defending Stanley Cup champs, you know, Stamkos, the whole thing. And I find myself drawn to a made-for-TV 
golf match with four NFL quarterbacks. Why? Because it's the NFL. Two, because Patrick Mahomes has teamed it up. And three, the other three guys involved. Brady, Rodgers, Josh Allen. It's the young guys against the old guys. And I, I couldn't, you know, I'm trying to watch the hockey game, but I kept going back. I wanted to see how these guys were doing. And it was, it was actually fun to watch. You know, there was some intrigue. You know, the old guys got off to the, you know, they won the first two holes and it looks like they're going to walk away with it. And then, you know, Mahomes starts like lacing, you know, hitting greens, making putts. Josh Allen didn't have that good a day. Let's, you know, let's be honest here, but you know, Hey, he hit some decent shots uh, almost rolled in a putt on the final hole that was like 60 feet away. I mean, I can't believe what a great putt it was. And he, it was on the lip, but Rogers had knocked one stiff about 15 feet. And then, you know, Brady missed it because they were playing like a scramble, shamble, whatever it was called. And then Rogers, of course, drains it for the win. Um, and, you know, Rogers was just Roger. I mean, he's done that, you know, year after year. He says he doesn't practice. He's just one of those guys that can go out there and do these things. But but Mahomes, again, proving that he's a man of the people. He was, he started, you know, after the second hole, he started drinking beers and started playing much better. So I'll give him that. And he made some clutch shots, did his thing. But uh, at the end of the day, Rodgers got it done. Last thing I'll say about it is J.J. Watt was amazing on the broadcast. Needling the players, Charles Barkley. I mean, J.J. Watt was worth the price of admission, watching it, you know, whatever. But it was really cool. And, uh, of course, Aaron Rodgers, in Aaron Rodgers fashion, hits the tee shot that's 15 feet away and then drains the putt for the big win. So uh, it was pretty cool. And then the golf course at the at uh, the win resort on the strip, it's the only golf course there, but just picturesque, beautiful. Uh, couldn't say enough about it. Ernie Johnson was Ernie Johnson, just did a great job. And then he had a conversation with the guys uh, that he had done earlier in the day, but it came on after the match. And it was some really good stuff. You get an opportunity, guys, get out there on uh, YouTube or Google, whatever, just you bring it up. And it was a great conversation with all four guys about kind of where they started, uh, where they see themselves going. And it was a good perspective, especially from Brady on the whole retirement, non-retirement. Roger Rogers kind of having the same feelings and then the two young guys thinking hey you know how long can we actually play this game so it was it was pretty cool so uh, Lou, it was a little bit more it, it was a little Lou, bit more than I golf. wanted to say Come on. Yeah, but it was com- it was competitive the guys were ribbing each other it's a lot of trash talk going on and it was it was it was actually pretty captivating because it was it, it looked like it was going to be a runaway but it got close the young guys actually took a one uh, one hole lead and then the old guys got it done at the end. So to me, I loved it. The whole thing, listening to them, watching them. And like I said, here to hear for JJ Watt. Get him on TV. Come on. I've never been a big fan of golf. We're still talking about golf, right? Yeah. It's golf, Lou. Come on. How interesting can it get? There's nothing better than watching the Eastern Conference Final Game 1. It's the NHL playoffs. How can you be missing that for for a golf match for these guys? They can't play golf to begin with. Well, actually, they're pretty good, but... 
it's also, I guess, humanizing because they are going to hit bad shots. And they did hit some bad shots. And some some of the spectators got hit by balls, which, again, makes it even more human. It's not like watching the pros where everything is, you know, dead on. Although I do enjoy watching the major championships with uh, professional golfers, too. So I have to I have to say that. So, um Anyway, I, was, I don't know. For was, me, it was it was fun. I thought it was interesting that I couldn't take my eyes off it. I had to watch. All right, let, let's talk about game one, the Rangers versus the <laughs> Lightning, because I did watch it. And, you know, the two two of the best goaltenders were in this game, Igor Shosturkin, and then you've got Andre Vasilevsky. So you've got, you know, two of the best goalies in the game. And I was just surprised wait, that the stop. Rangers let's came stop. out Wait a second. Well, wait a second. With full disclosure, both Russians. Okay, let's Absolutely. get that out there. Absolutely. Yeah, let's get that out there. And, and I'm sure the Rangers goalie is going to walk away with the Vezina Trophy. Uh, I mean, he's got to do it because he stopped 37 of 39 shots, and Vasilevsky let in six goals. I mean, that was a little surprising. I realized it was the, in the Madison Square Garden, but the kids' line, I mean, the third line that the Rangers have, they played really well. The goalie was on top, and 6-2 was a real big surprise to me, considering that the New York Rangers haven't been there in so long. They've, Whenever they've been in the playoffs, they had a short stay. They would lose like in the first round. And you mentioned it, Tampa has won two straight Stanley Cups. So they're gunning for that third one. And I was just surprised that the Rangers just blew them out of the water after the first period. Yeah, a little bit. I guess maybe, I mean, rust versus rest, you know, you have that because Tampa Bay hadn't played in like nine days. The Rangers fresh off. Game seven against Carolina, so you're thinking maybe they're a little tired and so forth. But again, you know the kids. I mean, they got some young, some pretty good young players. They got the vet Kreider still doing his thing. He's probably like the only one that I recognize on the team until the playoffs. And I started watching these guys, and um, yeah, it was very interesting. I was surprised they got six goals. Like you said, the Tampa Bay goalie. I think he had a point. Eight zero goals against average for the playoffs this year, which is ridiculous. Obviously, you're going to win a lot of games if your goalie's giving up less than one goal a game. So, uh, yeah, I was I was you know pleasantly surprised. You know, like I said, flipping back and forth, watch some of the highlights afterwards. But uh, yeah, pretty cool. And I uh, again, so I'm one of those fans that uh, here I am back cheering for the Rangers. 1994 with Messier. That was uh, that was the last hurrah, right? Fans haven't been excited about hockey in New York in, in so long. We're not talking about the New Jersey Devils, right? We're talking about New York. And, yeah, they haven't been relevant for a while. And, you know, last time they won the Stanley Cup was in 1994. But this club looks pretty strong. And if they can beat Tampa, hey, the sky is the limit. Yeah, watching. Yeah, I like watch watching the West. Uh, I mean, obviously the first game was pretty wild. You know, got to seven to six, and then they let you know Edmonton lets up the the empty netter. Uh, have a special interest in Edmonton. We've talked about this off air. Connor McDavid played his junior hockey uh, right in my hometown. You know, even though I live in Pennsylvania, we have an OHL team, and it was great fun seeing him play when he was just a kid. 
16, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. And then he uh, went to high school with my kids. So, I mean, they, you know, they've kind of have a fondness for hockey only because they remember they're you know, not really their friend. They're kind of a celebrity at school. But uh, anyway, yeah, I kind of have a fondness for, for the for the Oilers. And hopefully they they can make a series of it. And uh, the Rangers kind of keep keep things going here because that'd be great for New York, great for the league if they can get back to the back to the cup. All right, so, hey, this is a football show, uh, so let's talk a little football, Alex. Before we get to the uh, uh, the rundown, I think we're doing the NFC and the AFC South uh, drafts. Yes, it's June 2nd, and we're still talking about the draft. Damn right we are. Uh, some free agents still out there. Um, OBJ obviously had the injury in the Super Bowl. Uh, I I don't think there's any question the Rams want him back. I don't know if any other teams are going to make a move until they know that he's healthy. And odds are I would sit right in L.A. if I'm OBJ. But you've got Indomitian and Sue. Uh, it, it, these guys are older, right? Julio's still out there. He's, you know, you never know how much he's going to play. Anthony Barr, a little surprising. I don't know if it's an injury thing with him, but uh, I would think he would have been gobbled up by now. And then, of course, you have Gronk. But uh, to me, that's a Brady or Bust situation. Um, I don't know, Alex. What, what do you got for me on these guys? Any chance that we see them anytime soon on a team? I think these guys can help. Um, obviously, I, I agree with you. I think OBJ is going to return to the Los Angeles Rams because he had a really good run in the playoffs there before he got injured in the Super Bowl. I thought you'd really help them. And uh, even though they signed Allen Robinson to a contract and they have Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson, I think you know Stafford would welcome OBJ with open arms. I think Indomitian Sue would look good in, in a Saints uniform or something like that. Take on his former team, the Bucks, who just signed Akeem Hicks, and there's no way Sue is coming back to the Bucks now. So I think the Saints would be a good fit there. And why not like why not take Julio and reunite him with Matt Ryan? I mean, like it didn't go well for Julio with the Titans because he was injured and just, you know, never really contributed, never really was home I just feel like Matt Ryan is with the Colts now I realize that you know they've got Michael Pittman they drafted Alec Pierce but Julio Jones would look good in that uniform I think they can discover some of that magic that they have I'm not sure I'm not sure Julio can last through the entire season but I do think that he would be a welcome addition to that wide receiver core with the Colts yeah I mean you know the talk you know obviously the 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 Packers Really, not not much of a receiving core. They did uh, draft a bunch of guys. We talked about those guys last week. Um, so you know you'll have young players, but it's been no secret that um, Rogers has less than a lot of enthusiasm for rookie receivers. So uh, so you're left with Cobb. Uh, you bring in Sammy Watkins, who again another guy that has not shown the ability to stay healthy. What does Julio have left? How? What's the asking price? I guess that's probably the biggest thing right now, based on the number of games availability they'll have. I'm I'm just really uh, leery about that one. I mean, if he's right, if he's healthy, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Indianapolis would be perfect because you've got Pittman, but you know everything else is a question mark. I don't the the young guys that they've drafted Paris Campbell so they haven't quite broken through or even really done much of anything. Uh, T. Y. Hilton I think is still floating out there. I don't think is he he hasn't signed with anyone has he? 
I don't think he has, no. Yeah. But I don't think so, he's coming back to the Colts. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, I think that, that might be a, a spot that makes sense. But again, I think, you know, as we get to this stage, you might even have to push things into training camp and, you know, do guys get injured? Do they need, you know, extra, extra player bodies to fill positions? So it's hard and then the older guys at this point they're thinking yeah i'll you know just just push it off i don't want to go to i don't want to go to training camp if i don't have to or at least maybe show up midway through they stick me in i learn a few routes and you know we'll kind of figure it out as we go so uh interesting to see what happens with those free agents but anthony barr what's what's up with him i don't know to be honest with you i mean that's Still quite puzzling. To that was me one again. of your favorite guys. I mean, if I, if I recall, I mean, he was one of your guys, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's back in the day. He's always been Mister. He's always been Mister. Steady for the Minnesota Vikings, and even though he's lost a step and he's not the same player that he once was, but I'm sure he can help some teams. How about the Cowboys, Lou? I mean, the Cowboys have Michael Parsons, but why not in that defense with Dan Quinn? I mean, you bring in a chess piece like Anthony Barr, you stick him next to Parsons, and you make his job a lot easier. You know Micah likes to attack and, uh, you know, be that pass rush specialist. Well, Anthony Barr can can do a number of things. I mean, as a run defender, uh, he can, you know, fill the gap. He can help in, in pass coverage. I think he would be a valuable weapon for the Dallas Cowboys. I hope they, they make that move. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it, of course, and any other comings and goings. But uh, again, the overarching thing here is with with the vets. I mean, I think they'll typically push things off into the summer as far as they can uh, and then look at situations that open up where they'll have a chance to play. All right. Let's start off with the NFC South. Uh, Right at the top, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, number eight pick. They could have gone any number of ways, but hey, Drake London, why not? They need wide receivers. I think they did a pretty decent job of balancing the, like the offense-defense here because they've got holes on both sides of the ball and everywhere that you can see on this roster. So I, I like the, the London pick, uh, Arnold Ebiketti from uh, from Penn State. I kind of liked him going in, as well as Troy Anderson. These are guys that we, we all discussed leading up to the draft. The Desmond Ritter pick, again, in the third round, no real pressure here. But from Ritter's perspective, the only person you have to beat out is Marcus Mariota. Uh, Hasn't played a full season in forever, so there's a real good chance we may get a a look at Desmond Ritter before this season's over. Uh, D'Angelo Malone, real interesting player. I think he showed out a little bit at the the Senior Bowl from Western Kentucky. And then the running back from uh, BYU, Tyler Algar. Uh, that was kind of an all-everything back at BYU and was kind of a seemed like a forgotten guy. But it, it, to me, whenever I saw him play, he was always productive. So again, with this kind of offensively challenged team, he probably has a chance to, to play right away. So uh, I kind of like what they did. Not going to bowl you over with any one of these guys but i think you know london's got a chance to be a great player the other guys certainly are going to play and get some some time this season well i think the the first pick uh drake london they they needed a big target they needed a wide receiver that can help you know the marcus Mariota or desmond ritter in the red zone eventually and you know drake london is a former basketball player he's got those long arms and he's gonna remind people a lot of mike evans you know evans is a little bit faster but 
I just think they're similar types of players. And he could be that E.J. Brown type of wide receiver in Arthur Smith's offense. Can you imagine, like, Drake London? And then, you know, you've got... Now you don't... You don't have Calvin Ridley anymore. Obviously, he's been suspended for a year. But, you know, you can... You've got Pitts. You've got London. You could use them in a number of different ways. You can line up Pitts as a wide receiver as well or in line. Arthur Smith will get creative here. And I, I commend this pick because they needed more help at wide receiver. And I, you know, it's interesting that they went with Desmond Ritter as the pick here. They went with, like I mentioned before in the previous shows, they went with the winner. They went with the guy that, you know, he's got great character. He's a leader. A guy that... I believe Arthur Smith believes that he can he can make more accurate, you know, that he can excel in that offense that he's in, instilling installing in there. So I think it's interesting with the number of quarterbacks on the board, and we all know those quarterbacks, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, you know, and they decided to go with Desmond Ritter a lot sooner, and they, they chose him um, over those other guys. So that's interesting. I, I trust in Arthur Smith. He knows quarterbacks. He's been able to, you know, make Ryan Tannehill relevant again, kind of resurrect his career. So uh, I, I believe that he saw something in Ritter that he believes that he can mold and make him better uh, in terms of his accuracy and ball placement. But, you know, you can't teach that dual threat ability, and you certainly can't teach, you know, those off the field leadership types of skills. And that's what I think the Titan, that's what I think the Falcons went for. Next up is the Panthers. We kind of thought that at number six, I shouldn't say we thought, but there was the conventional wisdom out there that maybe this was going to be the first spot for a quarterback. But we quickly learned this year's draft that the quarterbacks were a little bit, I guess, overvalued in the media but the NFL team certainly valued them in a certain way, and they all kind of got pushed down. But in exchange, at number six, they get arguably the best offensive lineman in the draft in Ike Mikwanu. Now, again, depending on who you talk to, how you're going to play, you know, any there's probably a handful of guys you could have said is going to be the best lineman. But, you know, here was a guy that I think they got some tremendous value here. And then you were talking about the, the quarterbacks, Alex. Matt Corral falls to them at, in, in uh, the third round at number 94. And this is an interesting one because, you know, again, is he ready to play? I don't know, but he's going to have an opportunity because really, you know, unless Sam Darnold blows them away, why wouldn't you play Corral? Well, the reason you don't play Corral is if the coaching staff is sitting there under pressure thinking, hey, we got to win right away. Well, we already know he couldn't win with Darnold last year. What makes you think we're going to win with him this year? So again, this is going to be a very interesting piece here. I don't think, you know, this is like a slam dunk that that Darnold wins the job or is the the number one quarterback. Uh, So that was was interesting to me, just the way this fell to them. Uh, Obviously, they had some other selections in, in the fourth round, a couple in the sixth and the seventh. Uh, and Alex, you can speak to some of those guys. But as far as I'm concerned, at the top, very interesting with Matt, that Matt Corral pick in the third round. I agree with you. He was he was my favorite quarterback in this draft, and obviously the fan the Panthers thought that as well because you know 
they they went with him uh, over some other guys out there. We'll see what happens. I mean, if if Darnold falters, and he most likely will, they'll be pressed to play the rookie, and he could be that savior. You never know. Some guys get thrusted in there, and they just he's got heart. He's got leadership. He's a fiery guy. If you ever watch those old Miss games and. You know, some people might call him a hothead just because of some of the off-the-field issues, but I love fiery quarterbacks that have that passion. And teammates love him, and they respond to him. If you ever watched him on the sidelines during those SEC games, he really, like, you know, he showed those leadership qualities on the field and on the sidelines. So that's what I liked about him, that fire. And then um, I think Amari Barno was my favorite pick for the Panthers. He went in the sixth round. He's explosive, he's long, and he's got great speed. I think the Panthers are on to something. I think they've added another interesting chess piece uh, for their defensive line. So overall, hey, they, they get a good tackle, maybe the best tackle in the draft, according to some people. They get my number one quarterback, and they get a very good pass rusher. I think, you know, th- this... This is the time to shut up and and show what you're capable of, you know. Matt Rule was to Matt Rule was supposed to be the savior here for the Carolina Panthers. So far that hasn't worked out because he hasn't found his quarterback. But year 3, you know, we're hoping that, you know, things will uh will get better. If they don't, he's going to go back to college, Lou. All right, very good. The Saints, not a lot of uh quantity here. Uh, certainly some quality at the top. I mean, they it was kind of an interesting move. They made about a month before the draft, making it making a deal with the Eagles, um, giving up some picks to, to move up. And then, you know, they made a couple other moves during the course of the draft. So they end up with Chris Olave, which is probably the guy they wanted all along. They had to trade back up to 11 to get him. Uh, obviously, Detroit had traded way up. Uh I guess right after that. So you had some receivers on the board, but they were for, hey, we, we need to get up there. So anyway, here we are. I don't know how many picks they gave. I think it turns, it turns out to be like four or five different draft choices at the end of the day to get up to get Chris Olave. But they got him, and I think he's going to be a good player for them. Trevor Penning, I thought, was great value at that point. Uh, obviously, you lost Teron Armstead. This might be a guy that needs to plug and play. And then uh, a lot of hype around. I wouldn't say a lot of hype around this kid, but there was a lot of talk around this kid being a value pick. Alante Taylor, the corner from, from Tennessee, and I'll let you talk about that one, Alex. But uh, at the top, the, the interesting thing to me was just the capital they gave up to get to where they did. It seemed like they really overstretched and ended up with a, probably the guy that we're going to get anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that they chose Chris Olave over some other wide receivers who were on the board. And the fact that they gave up a lot. So obviously they believed that somebody was going to get him before they did. And Olave is going to be the number two wide receiver opposite of Michael Thomas. Both receivers went to Ohio State. So. He's silky smooth. He's a very good route runner. He's got good hands. You know, he's he creates separation. Obviously, the Saints, you know, they loved him, and they 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 didn't think they didn't give up a lot. Trevor Penning has got to be their left tackle of the future. I mean, he's got the size, he's got the feet, he's got the length. Uh, you know, he's got the heavy hands. He's a good run blocker. 
I think he's a perfect replacement for Teron Armstead out there. Uh, you mentioned Alante Taylor. I actually thought it was too high for him in the second round, but I understand what they liked about him. He's got good size. He's got long arms. He's got very good speed. So uh, he should be best in press coverage for them in that scheme for the Saints. And I also was a big fan of DeMarco Jackson out of App State, just a guy that makes plays. And I'm all about production when it comes to linebackers. And I just think like this kid is going gonna, is gonna to help him as well. So even though they didn't have a lot of value and they didn't have a lot of picks, I think the Saints did all right for themselves. All right. Finally, in the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Brady's uh, made a move out of the uh, the first round down into at number 33 uh, with Logan Hall, defensive lineman for Houston. Uh, they got good value there. He was being talked about maybe uh, a little bit further up in the first round. Luke Gedeke, offensive lineman from Central Michigan. Uh, Rashad White, running back from Arizona State. They lost uh, Ronald Jones, so he's going to get a chance to compete for some time there with uh, playoff Lenny. Uh, and some other picks as well. I mean, they did take a punter, fourth round, Jay Camerata from Georgia. So always got to give the punters a, a heads up. And then a guy that, um, from a speed perspective and just kind of a potential perspective, was being talked about a lot in the process, Zion McCollum, uh, corner from Sam Houston State. So, so again, the, the veteran team, not a lot of weaknesses, if you would. They have lost some offensive linemen, so that's you know obviously the Gedeke pick uh, is kind of a fill in there. But you know again, they're going to compete for this division. They're going to obviously be the favorite to win the division, no no doubt. And obviously as well is a uh, favorite to be in the in the. NFC Championship game uh, moving forward, but as far as the draft is concerned, they plug and plug and play guys. Yeah, maybe, but again, Logan Hall. They bring in Akeem Hicks, as Alex mentioned at the top of the show. As far as defensive line, offensive line, right there, the running back. So I like what they did, but again, it's nobody's. None of these guys are going to blow you away. But again, solid guys that I think are going to play very early in their careers. I'm glad you mentioned Zion McCullum. Uh, you know, he intercepted 13 passes and had 54 passes defended in college. I mean, that's those are incredible numbers. It doesn't matter where you play, whether you're in the SEC or you're in the FCS. And he obviously played for Sam Houston State. He's got great length. He's got long arms. He's a tall corner with very good speed. He tested really well at the combine. I'm glad you mentioned him. And... Um, I'm also going to say that, you know, they got Logan Hall uh, at the top of the second round. They traded out of there. He's a disruptive, you know, interior pass rusher um, who was able to overwhelm, you know, offensive linemen out there. They obviously felt, I thought the kid could could have went like in the first round. So, uh, you know, he's 6'6", 285 pounds, and it's going to be interesting to see how he transitions there. Rashad White in the third round. They did need a running back, and he's got a good burst. He's got good speed, and you know he's a good, you know he's a good receiver coming out of the backfield. I thought White was was really underrated at Arizona State, and he went in the third round. So uh, he's going to back up Lenny out there. So uh, yeah, I think the Bucks did well considering. You know, I remember Bobby Bethard always dropping back and not drafting people in the first round, collecting picks and, you know, saving on salary, right? The former GM of the Chargers, the San Diego Chargers at that time. 
And I just feel like the the Bucks are using that blueprint a little bit. And also Super Bowl architect, Washington Redskins. Don't forget about that. Bobby Beathard, same dude. Okay, let's go to the AFC. Uh, South Houston Texans, Casario finally gets a, a bunch of draft capital here, gets his chance to start making picks on his own. And uh, I got to believe, I, I, I think they did fairly well. Now, they took a swing at number three, you know, kind of a polarizing guy, Derek Stingley Jr., all the, all the talent in the world. Uh, and we'll go back, and you've probably heard this ad nauseum leading into the draft process, during the draft process, everything that, well, if it was 2019, this guy would have been a top two or three pick. Well, here we are. He had a couple bad, had a couple bad seasons, had some injuries, and he was still a top three pick. So hopefully that talent will carry him. But I think that was... That was, you know, I guess worth the chance because at worst, I think he's certainly going to be a starter for their team immediately. Uh, Kenyon Green, the guard from Texas A&M. Again, this guy's going to be an immediate player. Jalen Petrie, uh, speed, speed, speed. Safety from Baylor. Another one of these guys on that Baylor track team. Mechie, you know, because of the injury, falls to the second round. Wide receiver from Alabama. Another Alabama guy. You see a theme here. Kind of a Patriots look to things. Christian Harris, the linebacker. Damian Pierce, the running back from Florida. So a, a bunch of names that you recognize big time programs big time talent let's see if they pan out but again with as far as Casario and having all this capital for the first time or at least uh, the first uh, fruits of the Deshaun Watson trade uh, again on the surface looks like he did a pretty decent job and all these guys are going to play that's for sure uh, Jalen Petrie was was my favorite pick for the for the Houston Texans, just a playmaker at safety. He can play all over, and I've already gushed about him when we talked about our favorite, you know, day two picks out there. I thought that was good. Yeah, the Houston Texans need to rebuild, and I think what they did is they tried to focus on the secondary early, and then try to get some weapons on offense as well. So I think with all those extra picks, I think Casario and company did well, and. And I'm sure Lovey Smith had a lot to do with them going Derek Stingley over Ahmad Gardner. I mean, I'm almost certain of it. Because back in the day, I mean, when he was with the Rams, Lovey Smith had some pretty good corners out there. And I just think that was his pick. And uh, obviously with, with the help from Casario as well. So we'll see. I mean, always, you know, I think... When we're going to talk about this, like who's going to have a better career, Stingley or Amar Gardner, Chris Olave or Jamison Williams? It's always going to be a debate, and we're always going to look back on this and say, like, who was the better pick because they went back to back. Yeah, and then with the receivers, I mean, hell, you got to you're gonna throw Garrett Wilson and London in there, and that because uh, they it seemed like they were all kind of in the mix to to kind of go in that order, and they ended up going about the way you expected. So, uh, yeah, I agree with that. These guys are going to be compared throughout their careers. Indianapolis Colts talked about them a little bit, maybe going after Julio, and in the second round, uh, they took one of our guys, Alec Pierce, Cincinnati wide receiver. Uh, 
I don't know if we discussed it on air or with Alec himself, but I think maybe our opinions, meaning myself and yours, are a little bit different as far as Alec Pierce is concerned. I'll let you hit on that as as I go down the list here. Jelani Woods was was a big name during the draft process, really shooting up draft boards. Again, if that's a real thing, shooting up boards. But bottom line is he was being getting a lot of love uh, in the media. Uh, for him moving up, and they got him in the, in the third round. So they, they didn't have a lot of premium picks, but they did have three third rounders. Bernard Raymond was another one that could have gone higher, or at least that's that was the talk leading up to the draft, and they got him in the third round. And Nick Cross, I thought, was a great player. Got him in the third, late in the third round. Safety for Maryland, but there was a lot of good safeties ahead of him. So, uh, you know, again, with what they had, not having first round a first-round pick, uh, but they did have three third rounders. I thought Indianapolis did about as well as expected. And, and again, guys that are going to compete right away. And Alec Pierce could very well be a starter day one. Well, I mean, Pierce has got the size and the speed. And he tested through the roof at the combine and at his pro day. And, and you know, I'm looking at one number that really sticks out. He led all FBS players in receptions with 13 and yards, 521, on goal routes since 2019. So he's a guy that just, you know, he's a vertical threat. And he's got the speed to burn. And that's what the Colts love. And that's what a lot of teams love. A lot of teams look at wide receivers that can make explosive type of plays. Like Tyreek Hill. And that's why you you saw the Lions, you know, go up and, and get somebody like Jamison Williams. And then... You know, you see the Colts getting Alec Pierce here. They value receivers that can make, you know, catches, 20-plus yard catches out there on a regular basis. So it doesn't matter what I think. Yes, I did think that Pierce was a one-year wonder. And so we'll, we'll see if he proves me wrong. Raymond was was a pretty good pick. I mean, I always like guys that, that go from tight end to tackle and only have a couple of years, so they don't pick up those bad habits yet. And then with pro coaching, you know, they can mold them into something, you know, a good offensive line coach can mold this player into a really good one because he just hasn't played there for too long. I always like guys who are, you know, athletic, you know, that have strength, quick feet, and he plays with a nasty streak out there. That's what he showed during his uh, Central Michigan days. So that that could be a, a sleeper pick in the third round for the Indianapolis Colts. All right, Jaguars. Okay, Let, what, what are we doing here? Nick Belke at the top of the draft. Obviously, this has been talked about, and we've talked about this a lot. Trevon Walker they go with uh, instead of Hutchinson. But uh, anyway, the edge player from, from Georgia. One of my favorite players in the draft, Devin Lloyd. They get him at the bottom of the first round. Traded back up, as we talked about before, with Tampa. Uh, for that number 27 pick, and they get Devin Lloyd, which I think, I don't want to say the steal of the first round, but that was a lot of value there, I think. Um, and then Fortner, the, the center from, from Kentucky, Chad Muma from, from Wyoming. So with the picks, they, the premium picks, if you would, the, uh, two in the first, two in the third, I thought they did a pretty decent job. And with the change at... Uh, the coaching position, which is going to make a huge difference. I mean, this is going to be this team is going to be night and day, especially uh, quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so I like the the direction that they're heading. Again, 
uh, it's going to come down to, you talk about guys that are going to be compared forever, Walker and Hutchinson, who is going to be the better player? Now, again, they can both be good, right? But again, there's always going to be that argument, who Jacksonville should have taken, or, oh boy, didn't they do a great job because Walker's so much better than Hutchinson. So let's see where that goes. But I like what they did. And, uh, and even Snoop Connor, you know, uh, later in the draft, again, I don't know that, you know, they have a, a huge need at running back, but, you know, again, a player that, that has a chance to make the team. We've beaten this topic to death, you know, who should have gone number one yeah, overall. absolutely. So I'm not going to go there again. I'm going to do something that I've never done before, Lou. I'm going to praise Trent Baalke on the show. I'm going to stay quiet based on what I think of his other picks and stuff. I like those two linebackers that he got. Devin Lloyd, like you mentioned, from Utah, and Chad Muma in the third round from Wyoming. I think those were solid picks, inside linebackers that could help this team, can help that coaching staff. So I'm going to I'm gonna take the high road for once, Lou, something that I never do often, especially when it comes to Trent Baalke. But, you know, we'll see what happens with the number one overall pick in a couple of years. And he did it for the Jaguars, not the Niners. So I guess that's uh, that's progress, Alex. I, this is this is a breakthrough, I think. We've 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 done some good work here. So we're growing, uh, Lou. I'm yeah, growing. Yeah. So I'll take I'll take my therapist hat off now. Uh, Tennessee is the last team we're going to hit today. And of course, you know, tough guys. This is this is just what Tennessee does. They get the t- even at wide receiver, Traylon Burks, big, thick dude. They trade AJ Brown, which again was another wide receiver trade stunner uh actually and this was during the draft but uh, they turn around and they take Traylon Burks same body type you know same I guess type of player to a degree we'll see I mean AJ Brown obviously is proven in the NFL Traylon Burks has his detractors but again he was in that group of wide receivers that was being mentioned you know in the top 20 so again he lands right there McCreary from Auburn again tough corner not the biggest guy but again I think he fits the mold for them. Uh, Petit Frere, the offensive lineman from Ohio State, this is what they want to do. They want to bludgeon you. They want to run the ball. So let's get another tackle. And then again, the the pick that everybody will talk about, I think even even, uh, ahead of their first three picks is in the fourth round, Malik Willis. They're sitting there with uh, Ryan Tannehill. Obviously was not a good look in the playoffs. That's the last taste that the fans, that the team, that everybody has. That what the hell? Our defense sacked this dude nine times. All we had to do was take care of the ball, score a few points. Couldn't do it. Could not do it. So now you've got this shiny new toy. Yes, he's a fourth round pick. Yes, he's raw as all get up. But. This is going to be a thing, I think, not just in the summer, but then into the season. Tannehill starts to falter a little bit, whatever. The whispers are going to come up. When can we get this kid on the field? Uh, so I think that that's a big point there. But again, great value getting him in the fourth round when you know uh, there was talk of him being you know the pick at number six or twenty to the Steelers. Uh, I like Haskins from Michigan. Obviously, he showed a lot of toughness. Another tough dude, tough between the tackles, some speed as well. And then a little, maybe a little bit of a, a, 
maybe not a sleeper, but Kyle Phillips, the wide receiver from UCLA. This is an interesting pick, and I want to get your take on this, Alex. In the fifth round, so it wasn't like a reach or anything like that, but he just, one of those guys, he's kind of sneaky. I I think maybe he's got a real shot. I think he's sneaky in terms of, you know, he's really slippery in the open field. He's more of a threat after the catch. It seems like He's just one of those guys who's a savvy route runner. That, that's what he is. He's undersized. You know, he doesn't have very good speed. He's not going to stretch the field vertically. But he's a slot receiver that knows how to get open for man coverage. And we always see this, Lou. We always see wide receivers going late, you know, on day three. Guys that don't have the measurables, but just have the ability to create separation. And we see this every year. A guy comes in and he's able to contribute. And he can also contribute as a punt returner as well. He gives you value as a special teamer, as a return man. And I think that's huge as well. Roger McCreary, I think, is a very sneaky pick. I just, I like his quick feet. I like his short area burst. I mean, he could play press man. He could play in cover three. Just, I, I like him. And I just felt like he got knocked because he doesn't have the ideal size. He doesn't. He has the short arms, but he's just a guy that makes plays. And I think he's gonna outplay Caleb Farley, who has struggled to stay healthy so far. Who was a first-round pick last year by the Tennessee Titans. But we're always gonna remember this draft for Malik Willis. Lou, if he doesn't pan out. The Titans are not going to get a very good grade. But if they find their quarterback of the future, because you know that Tannehill is not going to play forever, he's here maybe for a year, and then they're hoping that Willis is going to take over. But I also we also hear rumblings that Tannehill is not going to be taking this guy under his wing. Like, he's, he's not... He wants to, you know, keep that starting job, and he's not about mentoring... Malik Willis. So there's some rumblings out there from them that Tennessee Titans beat writers out there that have found a storyline to keep an eye on in training camp. Well, I think they're just looking for something to write about. He, you know, was a sound bite by Tannehill. Or he, basically, he just said flat out, "It's not my job to mentor." Malik Willis. And I, you know, a lot of people took that, you know, different ways. As one, well, geez, you know, he's not going to help him. I looked at it differently. I, to me, his thinking was, I've got my own freaking job to worry about, okay? I'm not exactly on, you know, solid ground here. I have to, like, reprove myself. And then the other piece of it is, where I don't think it gets talked about, is that, you know, from a confidence standpoint, and Malik Willis is like, he's an adult, if he wants to learn, I'm here. And that's typically what it says. And and that was kind of the conversation yesterday. I alluded to it at the top when Ernie Johnson spoke to the four guys yesterday uh, before they played, but it was shown after the, after the match, is that, yeah, uh, you know, Roger's talking about, you know, what he learned from Brett Favre. Mahomes talking about what he learned from Alex Smith. And it wasn't... They both were like over the top saying how valuable that was, but it was incumbent upon them to seek out the vet to try to learn from him is to you know watch film together, do these things. So 
so again, I, I hear that, but I kind of rail against it because I, Tannehill's not that dude. He's not, a, he's not a jerk. I mean, subsequently, they see he's had him over for dinner. They're throwing together. You know, so I don't, I, don't, I don't buy into any of that. But uh, when you were describing Kyle Phillips and just the way you were talking about him, the first name that came to mind was Hunter Renfro. Not that he's going to put up those numbers like right away, but do, do you see them as the same type of player? Yeah, it's kind of like Hunter Renfro, Adam Humphrey, Cole Beasley. You know, it's just those guys that that tend to stick, uh, guys that don't test well, but guys that just are good route runners, guys that know how to set up defenders, guys that understand, you know, how to read defenses. And it's just this game is about being savvy. This game is about... A lot more than about your physical tools, how how big you are, how fast you are. And that's what you see with wide receivers all the time. You should be more quick than fast. It's how you change directions. It's how you, you know, whether you have loose hips and you can drop the weight and come out of those breaks really quickly. That's what makes Cooper Cup great. You know, that's what makes some other wide receivers excel in the NFL I'm not comparing Kyle Phillips there, but it's just a similar type of player that always, always seems to drop in the draft. I was actually surprised that Kyle Phillips got drafted at all because usually guys like this get picked up as undrafted free agents and then just outplay most of the wide receivers that were drafted ahead of him. So it's going to be interesting to see, I mean, whether he can uh, live up to that hype. But, um, you know, obviously... They got the the big, tall, wide receiver, Traylon Burks, that should replace A.J. Brown, and he has that similar type of body. Kyle Phillips is more of that slot receiver. Height, weight, speed, guys. You know, and you talked about it. We, you know, you see it every year. It's you know, they're always gonna, they're the shiny toy. They're the, they're the ones that get the hype and obviously are gonna get picked much higher. But these guys are the solid guys, the guys that are gonna get open. They're gonna get open on third down, move the sticks, make plays, run run away from receivers. It doesn't matter that you know you run a, you run a four six versus a four four corner. If you can create separation and get the ball in your hands you're going to be effective and you're going to be valuable. So a lot to be said about that. And it's, uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Alex. It, there's, there's examples over the entire, you know, gamut of the NFL history that, you know, guys that just weren't supposed to be great receivers, but somehow they get open and they make plays. So uh, that is going to do it for the South uh, next week, I believe we have the East, and that'll wrap up our uh, divisional, uh, I guess, recaps of the draft, our favorite players, just a little discussion here and there, and we'll sprinkle in some other subjects that come up during the course of uh, this NFL offseason, OTA stuff. We'll promise not to get too corny with the topics, but uh, eh, we'll throw a few in there, so... For my partner, Alex, I am Lou. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do it right now so you don't miss anything. Till next time, peace.